WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Today, let's begin with my favorite Marian prayer, the Memorare. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, dispense, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. St. John of God, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll just offer a brief word on St. John of God, born in the late 15th century, lived into the 16th century. He started out as a, a sheep farmer. He entered the military, lived a very dissolute life, and, um, and then he retired from that, how his life was not too good in his younger days. And he had this, you could say, dream of going into Muslim lands and dying as a martyr, trying to bring them to the Catholic faith. But a good spiritual director recommended that he not do that, not follow that course. He opened up a bookstore in Granada in Spain, and he still felt unfulfilled. And another saint, um, John of Avila, who is now a doctor of the church, he was in town preaching, and John of Avila, pardon me, John of God, heard him preaching and became so, oh, you could say, um, enthralled, overly excited. He went through the streets of Granada, a madman almost, pulling his hair and admitting his past sins, and he was committed to an insane asylum. <laughs> and St. John of Avila visited him and uh, said, you know, basically, knock it off, you know, just, you know, with the uh, exaggerated behavior, and encouraged him to go out and care for the sick, those who were in need, the lame, the poor, whatever. And with that inspiration, that direction from St. John of Avila, St. John of God uh, began to minister to people in the streets, the poor, the lame, the blind, the insane. Uh, and others joined him and this became known as the Hospitaliter John. They're still around today, about a thousand of them in number. It's, he's a beautiful saint to contemplate in this season of Lent where we are supposed to undertake a deepened prayer life, um, fasting, self-denial, and almsgiving, works of charity. St. John of God excelled in the latter. So we can pray for assistance from heaven, better serve others in this holy season of Lent. Now, today, um, I'm going to talk about the Blessed Virgin Mary as a mother or teacher of our faith, 
a destroyer of heresies, and as the memory of the church, the memory of the revealed word of God found in scripture and tradition. I gave a talk on this topic, the, the latter especially, Mary is the memory of the church, back in 2021 at the Mariological Association, uh, Mariological Society of America, pardon me, um, annual conference, which was in May of 21. And I'm going to point out how, how Mary is uh, a teacher because she's our mother. Okay? Mary is mother of Christ. She is our spiritual mother, which makes her a teacher. The medieval saints really enjoyed calling her the teacher of the teachers or the teacher of the apostles because Mary knew the faith so well. She, she taught Christ to them, the early church members. And uh, not only is she a teacher of the faith for us, if we go to her, uh, she's uh, a destroyer of heresies. Okay, that's one of her titles. And she, as our mother, is really, and this is a concept Pope St. John Paul II promoted, Mary is um, the church's memory. Okay. And what do we mean by that? Well, Mary, as St. Luke tells us, and this is what St. John Paul II says, um, in chapter 2 of St. Luke's Gospel, for example, 2.19, also 2.51, but Luke chapter 2.19, he talks about Mary's uh, motherly contemplative heart being the storehouse of the memories of the mysteries relating to her son. And John Paul offers her as a model for the entire church when it engages in theological reflection on the Word of God. John Paul II said that Mary, because of her faith, kept alive the memory of the events involving her son because she stored them all in her heart. That's what St. Luke tells us. Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. And Mary deepened her understanding of them by reflecting on them. These are the words of John Paul II. That is, he says, in the inmost core of her person, she did this. And in this way, Mary suggests that another mother, the church, should foster the gift and task of contemplation and theological reflection in order to better accept the mystery of salvation, understand it more thoroughly, and proclaim it with renewed vigor effort to people in every age. Okay. Well, uh, I like to think of, of Mary in these terms that John Paul II described. Uh, not only is she the memory of the church, but as, as the mother and preeminent type of the church, she is the mother of the church proclaimed so at the Second Vatican Council by Pope Paul VI. Uh, 
as mother and preeminent type of the church, which itself contains the full deposit of faith, the depositum fidei, Mary is also the memory of the revealed word of God found in both scripture and tradition. And uh, for this reason, we should go to her, especially especially theologians and and our teachers in the faith who are the bishops. They must have recourse to Mary to lead them and guide them so that they do not stray from the right path, that they will be able to hand on that deposit of faith, that the, the word of God written down in scripture and taught in the sacred tradition in its fullness. Okay. Now I say all this um, kind of as a prelude to what I, I thought of talking about today. You know, we have a, a Episcopal moderator for WSFI Catholic Radio, Sports Faith International. Now I wonder how many of you out there know who our Episcopal moderator is. Um, I'll give you a hint. He's he is a bishop who plays hockey. He's a goalie. And he also was a marathon runner. I'm not sure if he still runs marathons, but he's getting up there in age. But I, I believe the last I've heard, he still plays hockey. As a goalie, you don't have to um, have as much strain on your body, I think, as, as you know, if you're playing uh, a center or a right or left wing or whatever defenseman. You don't get beat up as much either. Um, but Bishop Thomas Propaki is our moderator for WSFI Catholic Radio, our Episcopal moderator. And I'm not sure if you if you realize that Bishop Propaki just penned um, a letter that is really, uh, or an article, I should say, uh, for the at least online version of the magazine First Things. Um, it was published last week, February 28th. And the title of the article is Imagining a Heretical Cardinal. Okay. It's kind of a strange title. And I'm going to, I'm going to quote from Archbishop Listecki's pardon me, Archbishop uh, Paprocki's uh, uh, article here, he, he begins with these words, Imagine if a cardinal of the Catholic Church were to publish an article in which he condemned a, quote, theology of Eucharistic coherence that multiplies barriers of grace in the gift of the Eucharist. And if this cardinal imagined that he stated that unworthiness cannot be the prism of accompaniment for the disciples of God and the grace of grace and mercy, the God of grace and mercy. Okay. Or what if a cardinal of the Catholic Church were to state publicly that homosexual acts are not sinful and same-sex unions should be blessed by the Church? Okay. Well, um, he's posing this as a hypothetical, but actually um, these positions have been taken by cardinals recently. Okay. 
for example, um, a number of bishops and even cardinals in Germany have taken the position that um, we should be blessing same-sex unions and that engaging in, in homosexual sodomy uh, should not be a barrier to receiving Holy Communion. And even more recently, um, we have uh, Cardinal Robert McElroy, the Bishop of San Diego, California, who penned an article in America Magazine, which is um, uh, a, a magazine uh, published by the Society of Jesus, the Jesuits. Uh, Father James Martin, who uh, really promotes the, the homosexual agenda in many ways. Uh, he is the editor of that magazine. He published Cardinal Robert McElroy's article and in which he, he did talk about uh, that we shouldn't have a theology of Eucharistic coherence that multiplies barriers to the grace and gift of the Eucharist. And unworthiness can, cannot be the prism of accompaniment for disciples of the God of grace and mercy. Uh, those words were in that article. And Cardinal McElroy was is basically saying that those who actively practice um, express their sexual desires in a physical way who are homosexuals uh, should not be barred from the Holy Eucharist. And, <clears throat> well, I'll go back to Bishop Paprocki's uh, article in First Things from last week. Again, February 28th, 2023. He goes on to say, Unfortunately, this is an uncommon today to hear Catholic leaders affirm unorthodox views that not too long ago would have been espoused only by heretics. They reject essential truths of the faith, which was once and for all delivered to the saints. That's a quote from the epistle of St. Jude, the Apostle, uh, verse 3. There's only one chapter in St. Jude. It's a very short letter, epistle. Archbishop Lisecki goes on to define heresy, saying heresy is defined as the obstinate denial or obstinate doubt after the reception of baptism of some truths, which of some truth, I should say, singular, which is to be believed by divine and Catholic faith. And that is a quote from Canon 751 of the Code of Canon Law. And then he quotes Canon 750, which defines uh, what constitutes a truth that is to, believe, to be believed by divine and Catholic faith. And I'll, he quotes here Canon 750. I'll read it. A person must believe with divine and Catholic faith all those things contained in the Word of God, written or handed down. That is, 
in the one deposit of faith entrusted to the Church, and at the same time proposed as divinely revealed, either by the solemn magisterium, that is, the Pope speaking in ex cathedra from the chair of Peter, okay, or by the ordinary and universal magisterium of the Church, that is, the common teaching of the Church passed down, manifested, as Canon 750 says, by the common adherence of the Christian faithful under the leadership of the sacred magisterium. Now, when we're talking about um, homosexual acts, uh, physical sexual acts, homosexual sodomy, as it's called, it takes its name from from uh, the towns or the cities of, of Sodom and then Gomorrah. This is back in the book of Genesis. So this is revealed by God that, um, I'll quote chapter 19 of Genesis verse 20, um, the Lord saw what was going on in in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, this sin is so great, so grave, okay, that there was an outcry to heaven against it. Okay? That's what the book of Genesis tells us. The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grave. Well, the book of Genesis goes on to describe what um, the men of Sodom were doing in chapter, um, I was just quoting from chapter 18, pardon me, I, I made a mistake here, okay. Chapter 18 of Genesis, verse 20, um, this outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, their sin so grave. We continue chapter 20, uh, pardon me, chapter 19 of the book of Genesis, and it states that um, um, two angels appearing as men, they appeared in the city of Sodom. They appeared as young men, and uh, Lot, Abraham's nephew, took them in. And <clears throat> I'll read here from the book of Genesis, chapter 19, verse 4. Before they went to bed, all the townsmen of Sodom both young and old, to the last man closed in on the house of Lot. Okay. They called to Lot, said to him, Where are the men who came to your house tonight? Bring them out to us that we may have intimacies with them. See, the Bible is very delicate when referring to things. Um, the term sodomy had not been coined yet, but this is what... <laughs> the author intends us to understand. And Lot actually begged them to go away. He offered them his daughters. And you read the rest of the story. God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He rained down fire and brimstone on them. Okay. Well, uh, that is one basis for the deposit of faith from sacred scripture. Okay. And I think we're going to take a little break here. We have only about 30 seconds left until our first break. I'll return talking on this topic uh, in just a couple of minutes.
Hello, this is Archbishop Blaise Supich, and I'm pleased to be here at the Pro-Life Rally, the March for Life here in Federal Plaza. And I've been asked the question, why is Catholic Radio important? Well, it's important because we need to get the word out. And more that we can broadcast widely the message of Jesus Christ, we really are doing the mission of the church. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048.5 8.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Hello, this is Father Dwight Campbell back again with our Marian Hour, and and today I'm I started off talking about how Mary is a defender of the faith. She is a destroyer of heresies. She is um, the memory of the Church, as Pope Saint John Paul II called her, and also memory of the revealed Word of God found in both sacred scripture and tradition. And for those who were, may have just tuned in, I was speaking just before the break on how our Episcopal moderator, Bishop Thomas Paprocki, uh, penned a letter to the publication, at least the online version, of First Things last week dated February 2nd, 2023, titled Imagining a Heretical Cardinal, who would propose that uh, engaging in homosexual sodomy would not be a barrier to the reception, the worthy reception of Holy Communion. And Bishop Papaki was basically saying that in this, in this article he penned for First Things, that to take a position such as that, which many cardinals in the church have done, one of them being Cardinal Thomas McElroy, although Bishop Paprocki did not name them, but hypothetically saying if someone did take a position like this, especially a, a prelate in the church, um, they would be in heresy. Heresy defined as, according to the Code of Canon Law, Canon 751, the obstinate denial or obstinate doubt after one has been baptized of some truth which is to be believed by divine and Catholic faith. And then he quotes Canon 751 for what constitutes a truth to be believed by divine and Catholic faith. Well, uh, Canon 750 says all those things contained in the Word of God 
written, that would be in the Bible, or handed on, that is by sacred tradition, the one deposit of faith. And that consists of both scripture and tradition. And that has been proposed as divinely revealed by the Pope, either by a solemn magisterial action, ex cathedra from the chair of Peter, or by the ordinary universal magisterium of the church, the common teaching of the Pope and bishops passed down through the, through the ages, okay? And uh, I was quoting just before the break of how we learn that in, in the scriptures, in the book of Genesis, uh, chapters 18 and 19 of Genesis, makes very clear that um, the, the acts of what today we call homosexual sodomy, uh, same-sex sexual relations, in other words, are sins that cry out to heaven for vengeance. And I'm going to turn right now to chapter 1 and chapter 2 of St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, because St. Paul discusses this as well. He, he talks about how the wrath of God, this is verse 18 of chapter 1, is revealed against every impiety and wickedness for those who suppress the truth. And those, well, St. Paul says, verse 20, ever since the creation of the world, the invisible attributes of the eternal power and divinity of God have been able to be understood and perceived in what he has made. As a result, they have no excuse. In other words, St. Paul is referring here to the natural law written in our hearts. And St. Paul, in chapter 2, verse 14, says, When the Gentiles who do not have the law of Moses, that is, okay, by nature observe the prescriptions of the law, in other words, they follow basic right and wrong, okay, they show that the demands of the law are written in their hearts. This is called the natural law, written in our hearts. We have an intellect which can know the truth, we can, we, which can know, by which we can know, I should say, um, basic right and wrong. That if you look at male and female bodies, they're meant to be complementary, go together. And we know from the use of our God-given reason that the purpose for this, the end for this, is to procreate new human life. Okay. And St. Paul, going back to chapter 1 of the epistle to the Romans, he says, therefore God has handed them over to impurity through the lusts of their hearts, mutual degradation of their bodies. Their females exchanged natural relations for unnatural, and the males likewise gave up natural relations with females and burned with lust for one another. Males did shameful things with males and thus received their own, in their own persons the due penalty for their perversity. God handed them over to, to their undiscerning mind to do what is improper. Okay. Well, this is another example of Scripture, a divinely revealed truth of a moral truth that sexual relations between males 
or between two females is unnatural, uh, is contrary to the law of God. Now, I'll quote here another verse. This is the second epistle to St. Peter, who in chapter 2 of the second epistle of St. Peter speaks of how God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction, reducing them to ashes, making them an example for the godless people of what is coming. And he rescued Lot, a righteous man, from this licentious conduct of unprincipled people. Okay. And finally, I'll, I'll go to the epistle of, of Jude, um, which is the shortest epistle in the New Testament. It, it only has one chapter. They're not even chapters, they're just verses, actually. And here's what Jude says in verse 7. Likewise, Sodom, Gomorrah, and the surrounding towns, which indulged in sexual promiscuity and practiced unnatural vice, okay, this is a reference to same-sex sexual relations, these serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So, uh, we have clearly the revelation, the divine word of God revealed, written down in, in the scriptures, uh, condemning the same-sex sexual activity that we call homosexual sodomy. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church likewise speaks against this. Okay? Uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church um, speaks of, of how, um, actually it, it calls, uh, refers to um, homosexual relations as intrinsically disordered and contrary to the natural law. Okay, that's number 2357 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Okay. Homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered and contrary to the natural law. Okay. And even it goes on to say, and this is in 2358 of the Catechism, the homosexual inclination while it is not sinful in itself, okay, it is objectively disordered. So, if someone has an attraction to having sex with someone of the same sex, this is an objective disorder. If one acts upon it, well, the act is intrinsically disordered. That's what 2357 of the Catechism says. And contrary to the natural law. And of course, this is grave matter, because any sins of a sexual nature are grave matter, which would take one out of a state of grace, which in turn would preclude one from receiving Holy Communion worthily. And this is really why, to get back to Bishop Propaki's article in First Things of last week, February 28th, 2023, Imagining a Heretical Cardinal, well, uh, for someone to say that that um, it is really unjust 
to put up barriers to receive Holy Communion for any reason, uh, well, this is, this, this is contrary to the teaching of Christ in the Church. And um, it uh, actually would constitute uh, heresy, okay? Which, as Archbishop Paprocki points out, um, normally, I'm quoting from his article, okay, the sanctions by canon law require that either a judicial or administrative process be followed before a penalty is imposed. You see, normally you would go before someone, a bishop or the pope, who would impose a penalty. However, he says, it's important to note that Canon 1364 says that, quote, an apostate of the faith, someone who's abandoned the faith, or a heretic, someone who denies a teaching of the faith, or a schismatic, incurs a latte sententiae excommunication. And that means it's automatically incurred without any canonical process. And I'm going to just go a little beyond what Archbishop Paprocki said in this really heroic uh, article that he wrote. It took a lot of courage for him to do so. We, uh, we, we all commend him for his courage in penning this article. But this is a problem that is, you could say, just snowballing in a way with many people hopping on board this bandwagon, uh, as I would like to call it. Okay. I'll give some examples here. Okay. On March 22nd of 2021, more than 200 German-speaking theologians signed a statement they were decrying the response by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith in Rome. They submitted um, a question, dubia, okay, or a dubium, a singular, okay, whether blessings can be given to same-sex couples, blessing their, their relationship. And the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith responded, no. So 200 German-speaking theologians signed this statement objecting, decrying this, this uh, position of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And the statement described the document by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith as, quote, lacking theological depth, hermeneutical understanding, and explanatory rigor. Okay and then went on to say, if scientific findings are ignored and not received, as is the case in the document by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, then the magisterium undermines its own authority. Well, um, the, the wording about scientific findings is really a red herring because um, they're talking about modern psychology, and, and many modern psychologists see nothing wrong with homosexual sodomy, even saying this is, this is a good thing to express yourself and in this manner if you feel that this is your, your inclination or whatever. So this is, this is really a poor argument by, by these theologians, these 200 German-speaking theologians. 
And I'll quote another here, Father James Martin, Jesuit, who edits the magazine America, who published Cardinal McElroy's article, which was basically saying that the church should not be excluding those who practice homosexual sodomy from Holy Communion, okay? Father James Martin actually has, and this is over the past several years, has called for a change in the church's teaching of the Catechism, for example, which I just quoted a few minutes ago, that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered and contrary to the natural law, and that even the homosexual inclination, okay, the attraction, is objectively disordered. And and uh, Father Martin, in an interview uh, back on October 14th of 2021, um, in an answer to a question about the catechism's teaching that homosexual acts are intrinsically disordered, said the language used in the catechism on that topic needs to be updated given what we know now about homosexuality. See, he's taking this line that, well, now modern psychology has given us deeper insights to this, as if what is revealed by God is going to be rendered uh, neutered, whatever, uh, excluded by, by modern psychology, okay? And uh, he says that, um, you know, what we now know about homosexuality, one of the deepest parts of a person that the that that the part that gives and receives love is disordered uh, to say this is needlessly hurtful. And um, he said, this is Father Martin talking in an interview. He says, I, a few weeks ago I met with an Italian theologian who suggested the phrase differently ordered might convey the idea more pastorally. Okay, so just the homosexual homosexual those with a homosexual inclination, I should say, would just be differently ordered, not disordered. Okay. Well, that would undermine the revealed word of God as well. And Father Martin gave a speech to gay activists at the 2016 New Ways Ministry event in which he said that the church should embrace homosexuality's special gifts, that the church should lay to rest its language about objectively disordered the activity of homosexual sex, okay, and homosexual inclinations and acts, okay. He said this is needlessly cruel and needlessly hurtful, okay. Well, I'll quote some others here as well. Um, Monsignor Philip Bourdain, he is the new president, uh, well, he's been president now for over a year, of the John Paul II Pontifical Theological Institute for Marriage and Family Sciences in Rome. This used to be called the Pontifical Institute for Studies on Marriage and the Family. Pope Francis renamed it um, for the Institute for now for Marriage and Family Sciences in Rome, which I think is in itself problematic because you're, it tends to be relying on um, so-called psychological sciences, which uh, depart from the magisterial teachings of the Church. And the president of the new JP2 Institute, 
Monsignor Philip Bourdain, has called for blessings for same-sex unions, claiming that human sexuality, and I quote him here, admits of atypical forms and expressions. And his fellow professor at the Institute, Father Pierre uh, Guenzi, he also favors same-sex unions, claiming that, quote, the man-woman bond does not exhaust all forms of expression, even from the affective point of view. And he's on record saying the natural law must be constantly reconceived to conform to a theological reading of a changing reality. See, they want to change the church's teaching here. And the positions of these theologians fly in the face of the clear, unambiguous teaching found in both scripture and tradition that uh, homosexual acts are a grave depravity, intrinsically disordered under no circumstances can be approved. This is according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Because in addition to violating God's revealed word about the truth and meaning of human sexuality, they are contrary to the natural law. That's the Catechism of the Catholic Church I just quoted, 2357. But for these theologians, you see, it appears that science in the form of modern psychology cultural anthropology and gender studies, okay, as well as uh, what they call an evolution in understanding, that's a quote from them, whatever that means, trumps the revealed word of God in both scripture and tradition, as well as the natural law written in our hearts, as St. Paul talks about, okay. So we're in a very troubling times here, my friends, and we must have recourse to Mary. I'm going to return to you know, what I said at the outset of my show today, Mary, she's the mother of the church. She is our spiritual mother. She's a teacher of the faith. She is the destroyer of heresy. She crushes Satan's ugly head under her foot. And she is the memory of word of God and of the word of God in scripture and tradition. We must turn to her for guidance, for protection. Okay. Um, she is the guardian, the defender of the depositum fidei. And theologians, bishops, others must have recourse to Mary to assure that they will not be led astray. If someone keeps close to Mary, Mary will keep them close to her son, Jesus Christ, so that their teaching and their thinking will not be in error and contradict the teaching of the church so they will not fall into heresy. Our Lady, guardian protector of the word of God, pray for us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.